This is the research behind musical abstracts. What is a musical abstract? Well, we challenged five researchers to work with songwriter Johnny Berliner and turn their research into song. For more, go to the What's On section of curiositycarnival.org. My name is Mark Gray. I work at the Oxford Internet Institute at the University of Oxford. I'm an internet geographer, and what that means is I study the geography of the internet. A lot of people think that the internet has no geography, that it's somehow out there, that, that it's a kind of cyberspace in, in another place. And what I do and what the people I work with do is we, we look at how the internet has a geography and why that matters. Well, I, I like to think about internet geography in three different ways. So there's the geography of access, which is simply who can connect and who can't connect. And the, there are various geographic or spatial factors, and of course, social and economic and political ones for why people from some places tend to connect more than people from other places. Um, there's what I call the, the geography of participation. So even once people are connected, um, some people in some places are far more likely to get involved in the internet than others, to participate, to create content, to make websites, to write stuff, to share pictures, to share videos, and so on. For various reasons, that tends to happen much more from some places than in other places. And then what I tend to focus on more than the other two things that I just mentioned is what I call the geography of uh, representation. So what I'm talking, that sounds a bit jargony, but what I'm talking about there is imagine the city that you live in. Traditionally, it's made of bricks and asphalt and glass and steel and so on and wires. So there's a, there's a physical geography to the places that we live in. Now, imagine something a bit different. Imagine that the city that you live in is bricks and glass and steel, but also data and also algorithms and also code, all layered throughout the city. And if you imagine the city that way, as, as this hybrid city that's material and digital, then you need to start asking questions about what's actually there. So you can't see any of this stuff with your naked eye, the digital bits you can't see with your naked eye. You can see with a phone, you can see with a computer. Uh, and so we, we ask questions about what's there, who makes it, who controls it, what does it show, what doesn't it show. And this matters in, especially in let's say, contested places where different groups of people have very different visions of what what their city should be or what it should represent, who it should include and exclude and, and so on. So that that's the kind of stuff that we study. With a lot of data that we look at, we, we want to know, for instance, how, how many uh, websites are created from every country on earth, how many Wikipedia articles are created about every country on earth, stuff like that. Our group here has a particular focus and interest in Sub-Saharan Africa. And one of the reasons why we focus on Sub-Saharan Africa is traditionally it's been by far the most disconnected place on earth. So uh, internet penetration rates in, in Africa have been far lower than everywhere else. All of that is starting to change in the last few years. So I think it's something like 10% of the world's internet users are African now. All of this is changing, and this then leads to expectations of change in Africa. You, you might expect, well, now that you have 
hundreds of millions of people online, you might start to see some changes in what's represented, how it's represented, who participates, and so on. And so we're we're essentially trying to study whether some of these expectations or hopes of change match up to the realities. It equals just not a word we can ever use simply because of the huge digital inequalities that we see when we do this work. Uh, If we look at domain names, so domain names are the text strings essentially that we use to to find websites, so like google.com or amazon.co.uk. Domain names we think are a decent proxy for how many websites are created from a place because most people that make a website want a domain name. So if we look at domain names, we see that even though Africa has 10% of the world's internet uh, population, it has about 1% of the world's websites or domain names. If we look at Wikipedia, so we did a big research project on Wikipedia, what we found was we expected there to be inequalities and far more stuff produced about some places than others. What we didn't really expect was the scale of some of these differences. So we found, for instance, there, there was more content in Wikipedia created uh, about the Netherlands, I think, than all of Africa put together. So we thought, well, you know, maybe there's more internet users or something in the Netherlands. Well, that's not really true. What really tells the story about inequalities quite strongly is the fact that we found more Wikipedia articles about Antarctica than a lot of countries in Africa. And that's not because there's more internet users in Antarctica. We found more articles about Uh, places that don't even exist, like Tolkien's Middle Earth, than a lot of countries that really do exist. But then we also, we focus on, uh, as I mentioned, we focus on participation from places. So how how likely it is people from different parts of the world are, once they get online, to create content, so uh, to, to edit Wikipedia. So I was just talking about writing articles about places, and you see the same inequalities We've looked at the geography of scientific knowledge production. Journal, how many articles are produced from, academic articles are produced from different places. Obviously, as you might imagine, it's, it's very uneven, but all of this digital stuff we're looking at is even more uneven. So it's, we, we've seen divergence rather than convergence as we've reached the digital moment here. If you look at the example of Wikipedia, on Wikipedia you need knowledge to create knowledge. We all have knowledge, of course, uh, but you need codified published knowledge to create more published knowledge. So there's the citation needed problem in Wikipedia. We held some workshops throughout the Middle East a few years ago to try and understand what what were some of these barriers to participation. And I remember talking to one Wikipedia editor. He was from a suburb of Cairo. He uh, lived outside the window of his apartment. He could see this obelisk, this ancient Egyptian obelisk, down the road or something. And he tells a story about how he, there was an article for that obelisk on Wikipedia and he wanted to make it better. It was just a pretty bad article. And he uh, added some geographic coordinates to the article because it didn't have any. And then he noticed the next day that his edits had been changed, the coordinates had been changed and put somewhere else. And so then he gets in one of these Wikipedia discussions on the edit page with the person who changed it. The person who changed it was an American Wikipedian who it turns out had a book from the 1920s or 1930s that mentioned this obelisk, but mentioned it in the wrong place. And so 
The American had the book, the citation, and could back up what he was saying with the citation. The Egyptian didn't have any citation, but was standing in front of the thing. And the American won the argument. So I think that that example it sort of exemplifies some of the problems that, uh, at least in Wikipedia, editors have. If you don't have published information about something, it's hard to then uh, break out of these biases. Now, Wikipedia itself is trying to change this. They, they have a program called um, Oral Citation, so they're allowing people to back up statements with, with verbal statements rather than printed ones. The other side of it is sometimes there simply is no is no printed evidence, and this this is especially the case with uh, historical knowledge. So just just to give you another example, there's a, a Wikipedia article about a man called Fyodor Vasilyev. Fyodor Vasilyev, he was a Russian who lived in the 18th or 17th century, I think. He's notable enough to have a Wikipedia article about him because his wife apparently had more children than any other woman on earth. It was like 50 or 60 children. Crazy number. I don't know if that's actually possible. It was recorded in some Russian history book that Fyodor Vasilyev's wife had a lot of children. But we don't know his wife's name even. His wife doesn't have an article about her. These sort of biases in produced knowledge that are very difficult to quickly break out of. It's going to take a long time and a lot of effort and a lot of focus to make sure that we do try and work our way out of them. The issue is more concerning, I think, when we get into looking at how organizations like Google represent and convey knowledge to us. So we just did a research project looking at, we basically set up this this uh, massive data scraping effort on Google and we used tons of languages, every capital city on earth. Uh, we spoofed the system into thinking we were Googling from lots of different places. And so we, we basically, in every place, in many languages, we did a Google search asking for information about that place. And so then what we did was we figured out how local or non-local is the content that Google is giving back to you. So if you're in Nairobi searching for content about Nairobi in Swahili, are you getting local Kenyan content or are you getting foreign content? If you're in London searching for content about London in English, you're getting local content or foreign content. And what we found was that the same old story here in almost everywhere on earth, uh, you're going to get local content about your local place and your local language, except if you're in sub-Saharan Africa. And there you're far more likely to get American produced content if you're using Google about your local place. Now, some of it may be because there's not much local content. Some of it may be simply how Google's algorithms work and prioritize non-local content or American content in those places because it deems the local content to be less valuable or something like that. The thing is, we, we don't really know the reasons why Google's algorithms do the things that it does. Even Google often doesn't know the reasons why its algorithms do the things that it does. And they can't keep any historical records. They can't go back and say, you know, in March of 2016, or we were giving results about Nairobi in this way versus that way. They, I think that even that that sort of date level of data collection is, is beyond them. So we, we don't have good data. We don't have good information about who's being shown what, who's being led in what directions, why some people are being shown some things and some people are being shown other things. And this all matters because it shapes how we understand the world and how we move through the world and how we interact with the world. And yet it's all, it's all mediated and it's all mediated in really opaque ways. 
So that that's our job as internet geographers, I suppose, is to try and map out and explain to people some of these ways in which the world that they interact with is uh, mediated, is controlled, is represented. The first step is re recognize that every time you interact with the world through a digital platform, someone or some entity is controlling what you see and what you don't see and is ranking certain things or choosing certain things. So you're being fed a very selective picture of what's happening. What to think, what to do, where you should be going to. We often ask the internet's advice. The first device on which we click is the one we often pick. When the search results are in, do you think twice? The second step is then to try and understand, well, what might be being left out here? If I'm standing in the middle of a city in search for a pizza restaurant, why is it showing me some things and not others? Or a pub, why is it showing me some things and not others? What might it be leaving out? So a, a pub or a pizza restaurant is a pretty benign example, but this becomes more important when, for instance, these really intense Wikipedia battles that people can encounter about the places that they live in. Think about if you if you live in Jerusalem and you're uh, Israeli versus Palestinian, you're you're sort of at the center of, of an informational war there, where different people have fundamentally different views of, over what their city is and how it should be. And so we can't just sit back and expect someone else to win these battles for us. We have to get stuck in. We have to take ownership of the the cities that we live in. We have to recognize that we have a responsibility to help produce the, the cities that we live in. And in the same way that if we're good citizens, we don't throw litter on the ground. And in fact, we'll pick some litter up if we see it polluting the places that we live in, I think we have a similar responsibility in, in our digital world to pick up that digital litter and, and clean up the place a bit. For various reasons, there's this legacy of thinking about the internet as something else and somewhere else and not the real world and, and out there beyond the realm of regulation and, and whatnot. But it's not. It's here. It's, it's never not here. And it's always been here. It's just we, we tend to think of it as not here right in front of us. If we recognize the, that the internet is, is really the real world, then I think we can start to do more to make it a better place. If you're looking at a map where the paper are an app, it'll tell you where to go from where you be. The world is physical, but it's also digital, so let's look at internet cartography. All maps will tell a lie Here's the reason why They select the information that you see So the folks who make the map control Our interactions with each other And our own locality What to think, what to do Where you should be going to We often ask the internet's advice The first device on which we click Is the one we often pick When the search results are in Do you think twice? Internet geography is allowing us to see The advice we get is always kind of skewed Breathing inequality, endless opportunity Endless voice for the folks who want us viewed If you want to see more equality Recognize the internet's physicality Question all the data, be a content generator Use the digital and make the world the world you want to see Web geographer will get themselves a code that scrapes the net and gives some data about the digital terrain. For instance, Wikipedia's more on all of Africa combined than can be found on the Ukraine. And 
only one in five of it is on the Middle East accredited to locals who are really in the know. Do you want Google to determine from the language used to search in the places that it thinks you want to go? If you want to see more equality, recognize the incident's physicality. Question all the data, be a content generator, use the digital to make the world the world you want to see. Every digital suggestion The algorithm that gave it to you For if you're too reliant On a few internet giants Your data gives them power to abuse No, don't be underrepresented And never be contented With a story someone else has made for you Making your own contribution Keeps the data distribution More inclusive of your truth and point of view If you want to see more equality Recognize the internet's physicality Question all the data, be a content generator Use the digital to make the world the world you wanna see If you wanna see more equality Recognize the internet's physicality Question all the data, be a content generator Use the digital to make the world the world you wanna see Yeah